One of the most powerful metaphors in the Scriptures is again and again the use of light. How light is described, what it means for who God is, what it means for who we are, and what it means for us to live as faithful followers of Jesus. So today's message is entitled, The Light of Glory. One of the most obvious uses of light in the Bible is the light of the glory of God. When God reveals His glory, He does so with radiance. One of the most obvious, by by no means only, Examples of this comes from the birth narrative of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. When the shepherds are there tending their flocks by night, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and what? The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When God reveals His glory, it reveals a great and blinding light. And so what we want to do today is explore this aspect of light, not simply recognizing the reality that God's light shines, but to ask the question, what does that mean for us? What is the fact that God's light shines got to do with you? And I want to suggest that it has much to do with you and much to do with what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus here in Livingston County, 2022. And our reading today comes from Exodus 34, which, uh, to give just a quick background to that, is Moses as he is descending from Mount Sinai. Now, this is not the first time he descends from Mount Sinai, because when he descends from Mount Sinai the first time, he comes with Ten Commandments, but he finds the people, what? Worshiping a golden calf, as the Scriptures say, arising to play, whatever that quite fully means. Now, Moses is filled righteously with rage. And what does he do with those Ten Commandments? Smashes them. So he has to go back up and get another copy. This is uh, (laughs) copy number two. So he goes up the mountain a second time to commune with the Lord and to receive the Ten Commandments again. And then our reading is Moses descending the second time from Mount Sinai. So I know we were just standing, but I invite you to stand again. And we're standing in honor of the Word of God. We stand in honor of its reading. This is Moses descending from Mount Sinai this second time, starting in verse 28. It says, Moses was on Mount Sinai with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with these two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware, but his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commandments that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with them, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. It was shining. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. And though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our Lord remains forever. Please be seated. And let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the inspiration of this, your word to us, infallible, inspired, and errant. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you be present as our teacher. Open our eyes that we might see, open our ears that we might hear, that you would transform us, turn our hearts, that we might understand and become like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if we explore this topic of the light of the glory of God, what that has to do with us today, we want to ask the same question three times. We want to answer that question different ways to understand its relevance for us today. And the question is, why does Moses shine? Why does he shine? We're going to ask the same question three times. So why does he shine? Why is Moses shining as he comes down the mountain? Well, the text tells us. Moses was up on the mountain and is up there for a long time. How long was he there? Forty days, forty nights. And you know it would have been an intense time with the Lord. How do you know it was intense? No eating and no drinking. Now, fasting as a practice is a good practice, a practice to say no to our flesh. But when we say no to our flesh, when we practice fasting, one thing it helps us to do is focus upon the Lord and His glory. So it says that. When Moses was there, he was there 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. Now, the important phrase is, with the Lord. To understand what does this have to do with glory, because we said this is the light of glory, at the end of Exodus 33, as Moses is going to be going into the land with the people, God tells him something. God says, I'm not going to go with you into the land. This is Exodus 33. I'm not going to go with you. He says, why? now why won't God go with Moses? He says, if I go with you, what will happen? I will kill everyone. I can't go, because if I go with you, I'll kill everyone. And then Moses says, look, he says, okay, if I'm not going to go with you, who's going to go with him instead? An angel. I'll send an angel with you. He'll go ahead. But I'm not going to go. Now, is Moses happy with that? Is he fine with that? No big deal. We don't really need you. An angel seems to be good enough. Are you okay with that? No, Moses is not okay with that. Is the people okay with that? No, the people aren't okay with it either. And Moses tells them, Lord, if you aren't going to go with us, we ain't going. So Moses, God tells Moses, well, Moses, I, I, I'm for you, and you know, I, I, I know you. And, and Moses goes, yeah, I got that, but you've got to be for this people. You've got to come with me for this people. And then God says, okay, I will go. Followed up by Moses in chapter 33, asking the Lord a question. Right on the heels of that, he asks him, show me your glory. And then God says, okay, come up on the mountain. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, the same place Elijah was. And I'll pass by you, because if I show you my glory by my face, what will happen to you? You'll die. So I'm not going to do that, right? But I'll pass by you. I'll reveal my glory. So as he reveals his glory, and God is up there communing with God 40 days, he comes down shining. Why? Because he'd been with the Lord. And it's exactly what the text says. Now, when Moses comes down the mountain, did he know he was shining? You'd be thinking, like, if I face was a mag light flashlight, I think I'd know it. But anyway, he, he didn't know it. But he says, why was he shining? Because he'd spoken with God. 
That's why he was shining. The text tells us he was radiant and shining because he had communed and been with God. And that was the case in an ongoing way for Moses, that he would go into the tent to be with God, and when he came out, his face would be shining. So what we see here is Moses, as he was entering into fellowship, when he tarried in the presence of Almighty God, and God revealed himself to Moses by the revelation of his glory and conversation, Moses would leave shining. And what would happen is the presence of the Lord was transformative on Moses such that Moses then would shine as a result of his proximity presence of relationship with Almighty God. Now, when I read the Scriptures, I only see one other place where you see people shining quite like that, at the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up on the mount. He's transformed. Moses and Elijah show up, and they're shining so bright as bright as the sun. But I don't see other places in Scripture where people spend time with God, and they come out like a flashlight. Moses seems to be this, this case where this happens. But the question is, are there other places in Scripture where people are described as being light? People are being light. Yes. One prime example of that is John the Baptist. When Jesus is describing John, he describes him like this. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. So Jesus says there was a light that came from John, that he was a lamp that John shone, he was shining. Now, if you were to be in the presence of John, was it the shining in the same way as it was with Moses? Did John have to put a veil over his face because people were kind of freaked out? No. But Jesus also says that John was the greatest of the prophets. So do you think that John the Baptist had an intimacy of relationship with God? He's the greatest of the prophets. Did John tarry in the presence of God? He's out in the wilderness. Yes. So, did John shine? Yes. And here's what I'm suggesting. So do you. So do you when you tarry in the presence of God and His transformative life changes you and transforms you. You shine. Now, are people walking around going, he looks like a maglite? No. But are you shining? Now, does everybody enjoy? He says, you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Did everybody enjoy the light of John? Did he live this great life? We all love you, John. We love your light. Come over here to my party. He ended up in prison. He got his head cut off. So someone hated his guts enough to take his head. So his his light shone, but not everybody loved that. Herodias didn't love it. Herod didn't love it. You see, when we tarry in the presence of God, when we commune with God, it's transformative. It changes us. We shine. That's not the only thing that changes because light is perceptible to the eyes. What I'm saying is, is that spiritually speaking, we shine spiritually. But that's not the only thing the Bible describes as people being able to sense things about us because we're transformed 
by tarrying in the presence of God and entering into deep fellowship with Him. In 2 Corinthians, Paul describes a transformation in the believer not to do with sight, to do with light, but to do with smell. What does he say? You are the aroma. You smell. That sounds bad. Like, I was at the gym too long today. You smell. No. You're the aroma of Christ. Does everyone love the aroma of Christ? No. Not everybody loves the light of John. Not everybody loves the aroma of Christ. But recognize that when you tarry and are transformed by God, you begin to change. And that change is perceptible, spiritually speaking. Even when the temple was built, there was a particular incense that was used to set apart the aroma of the temple, and the Israelites were not allowed to replicate it. It was only to be used in the temple. And you and I are temples. As we're living stones built into a spiritual house, we have an aroma. And it happens as we are transformed by the presence of Christ. Not only is it that what we see and what we smell, but also what people hear from us that we are transformed by our words that we speak. He says, we speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but, but taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities. Now, does everybody love that? Does everybody accept that? He says, the person without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God. He considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So we are transformed as we commune with God. Moses shone with light because he communed with God. Are you communing with the Lord? And how do we do that? As we tarry with the Lord and His Word. The Bible says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Are we tarrying in the presence of the Word? Because if you do, it transforms you as you are spiritually changed and nourished, or you're repelled by it? Are we communing with the Lord in prayer to allow the Lord to speak to us, not just speak to Him? Are we tarrying with the Lord and communing with Him in worship? Do we tarry and commune with the Lord in service? As Jesus says, as you do this to the least of these, you're doing it unto me, which means as we're entering into service for the least of these, we are engaging with the person of Christ. Why does Moses shine? Why does he shine? A further reason about why, Jesus, why Moses shine uh, is pointed out to us by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is reflecting back on Exodus 34. And what does the Apostle Paul say about it? Well, I'm going to show you some verses, and there's, I had to kind of, it, this, the print is small, but we're going to count words together. We'll have some fun. We're going to count words. It's not bad to count words when you read the Bible sometimes. I want you to notice how often the word glory is used in these five verses as as Paul's reflecting on Exodus 34. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved on letters of stone, came with glory, one, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, I can't read, it's too small. Transitory though as it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious? How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory. Now in comparison with the surpassing glory, and if it was transitory, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Ten times 
in five verses. What do you think these five verses are about? That's why it's helpful to sometimes count words, because the Apostle Paul is telling you what this is about. It's about the glory of God and the glory of God that was revealed in Moses, which was transitory. He calls it a ministry of death, which was passing away. How much more glorious is the ministry of Christ? If Moses shone with the glory, how much more glorious is the light that shines from you and the light that shines from me? Now, remember, we're asking the question, why does Moses shine? Why do you shine? Paul tells us. He says, we are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end which was passing away. But we, who with unveiled faces reflect, reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Why does Moses shine? Because Moses is reflecting the glory of God. Why do you shine? Because you are being transformed into His image, and you reflect the Lord and His glory. This is what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord. See, light, glory. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The glory of the Lord will appear upon you. How can that be? Because you're reflecting His glory and His light out. And the reason why is because you are reflecting that glory, which is why the nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So the interesting question is, whose light is this? Is this the light of the glory of God or is this your light? The answer is kind of both and. Both and. And in a way, what this is, is like a lighthouse. A lighthouse. How does a lighthouse work? What makes a lighthouse function the way it does? I mean, even an example, take, you know, this thing really works. Might be blinded as you go. Cool, huh? Right on. How does a lighthouse work? It works the same way. This lighthouse is a lighthouse all across Michigan's landscape. What is the light that makes this bright? The light that makes this bright, as you see in this example here, the light is actually a singular light within a system of reflectors. What makes this bright is a reflector, and that reflector channels the light and extends the light out. I'll turn that off for your sake. You and I and this church are lighthouses. We shine the light of God because the light of God shines on us, and we are reflectors. And the reflecting light of Christ shines out, and people see it. Again, we're like John the Baptist. Do people see it with their eyes? We aren't maglites, but do they see it? They experience it. They experience it. So I will ask it one final time. Why does he shine? Because he communes with the Lord, because he's reflecting the Lord's glory. And then finally, because he's commissioned, Moses is commissioned to witness 
to God's glory and to God's light. Even as we talk about being the aroma of Christ, it says at the end, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but men of sincerity, commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak. We are commissioned to speak. We are commissioned to witness as we are those who are being transformed by the light and glory of God. This is what Moses would do. He'd come in before the Lord. He would be transformed and changed by the Lord's glory and His presence. He would come out, and what would he do? Tell the people God's words. He would witness. He was a witness. You and I are witnesses. We are sent into a world of darkness bearing the light. As we are transformed, as God shines through us, we speak the Lord's words. This is what John the Baptist did, and we are all like him. It says that John was sent, he was commissioned. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, because he's a reflector. He came only as a witness to the light. You and I are commissioned. If you are a believer, you have a commission. You have a call. The question isn't, do you have a call? The question this morning is, are you being faithful to your call? To allow the light of Christ to shine upon you, to transform you, the light of Christ to reflect through you out into the world as we witness to who He is. So what does this mean for us? It means that we have a call to commune with God. It's God who transforms. Are you communing with the Lord? This last week, if someone was to strangely follow you around, you know, you would have a, a stalker for a week, whatever, that's weird. If someone was to notice what you did this last week, would they notice you commune with God? Would that be something they'd write down on their attributes of you? Would they have any way of knowing based on last week? If the answer to that is no, let me invite you. Let this week be different. And to say something to you, sometimes we, I, are waiting for something to come first. And I can hear someone say, or even myself to say, well, I didn't feel motivated to do that. I really wasn't motivated to do that. I wasn't really, I didn't feel the motivation to read my Bible. I wasn't feel the motivation to pray. I wasn't really motivated. The science does tell us something about this. You know, there's certain things we all know that we should do. Here's a question. Do we all know we should eat healthy? Do we all know we should exercise? Do we all know, you know, we should all get off Facebook? We all know these things. Kidding about the last one, sort of. Here's what the science tells us. Motivation doesn't come before. Motivation comes as. In other words, if you know you should work out, if you know you should do something physical activity, we wait till I feel the motivation to do it. If, that, if we wait for the motivation, are we going to do it? No. So here's what the science tells us. We have data for this. If you want to be motivated to do something, Start doing it, and the motivation comes. So here's a challenge for you, a challenge for me. If you did not pray this last week, let me challenge you to do something. Set a timer 
This is just an exercise for five minutes and pray for five minutes. That's it. I, be I believe you can do that. Pray for five minutes. That's a good thing about working out too. If you don't think you should work out, go to the gym for five minutes. I bet you'll stay a little longer. If you pray for five minutes, I guarantee you'll be glad you did and you will want to more. Five minutes. Can we do that? Five minutes to tarry with God, commune with Him. He's worth it. Is there anyone else? Is there anything else greater than communing with God? Oh, forgive us. So we commune with the Lord, we reflect His glory, and we witness to God's light. And as we do that, we have a better understanding, what has God's glory got to do with me? What has God's glory got to do with you? It's transformative. It's missional. And we witness to its power. Because there's a dark world out there who needs the light of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that your glory shines with a brightness that dwarfs the sun. We pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, invite us to enter into a deep fellowship with you, a deep communion with you. If we are going to shine as a people, as a church, as an individual, it will be because of you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us as reflectors to shine your light upon us and out into the world as we are then commissioned to witness to the light and power of Almighty God to forgive sins and to renew and cleanse this world and all of humanity. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.